Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of your Sober Now What? My name is Tamar Medford and I'm just one of your co-hosts alongside my online bestie, Lane Kennedy. Today is a special episode because today is the first Monday of the month where we showcase Time Takes Time, which is amazing conversations with those who are in long-term recovery. And today we're talking about purpose. That is this month's topic. So lots of cool stuff going on. And before we get into today's episode, I just want to share some really cool things. If you haven't checked it out lately, please go do that. And also, you know, leave us a rating and review that helps get the show out to more people. But first, if you haven't gotten on the list for the Now What Academy, go and submit your name. Space is limited. This is going to be an amazing 12-week experience. So head on over to the website, thenowwhatacademy.com. So if you're, you know, maybe you're a woman that's feeling hopeless, your world is falling apart and you can't even think straight. I know a lot of people like that right now. Head on over. If you're a mother who has literally lost your mind in parenting and partnership, as in you're thinking, who is this I'm sleeping beside some nights? Or maybe you're a single woman, right? Like myself with ambition and desire to get what you want because you're tired of settling for a life that doesn't fulfill you. Or you know what? You could be a proud empty nester wanting to reinvent your life. Head on over to the nowwhatacademy.com. Get yourself on the waiting list. Uh, we also have a masterclass that is starting next week. So if you want to overcome obsessive thinking, if you want to let go of perfectionism, and if you want to develop peace of mind at any time, also head on over to the nowwhatacademy.com. And as of July 11th at 9 a.m. Pacific time, that is going to be starting. So you can check that out absolutely free. So yeah, lots of good stuff going on. Make sure you check that out. And of course, head on over to our website, yoursobernowwhat.com. And all the links will be there for you, as well as that big orange button where you get to ask Lane and I a question. Maybe you have a would you rather question. Maybe you have a secret that you've never been able to share before that you want to get out. You want to get off your chest and we can discuss that. You know, you'll your name will remain anonymous, so we won't mention you on the show, but maybe you just need to get something out. Head on over to yoursobernowwhat.com and hit that big orange button that says ask us. Now, on today's episode, we're it's another episode of Time Takes Time. And I love these episodes because I think, you know, having discussions amongst those of us who have different different amounts of, you know, sobriety, we get these different perspectives because as we grow and we evolve, of course, things change. And so today we're talking about a topic that really lights me up, which is, you know, purpose, living a more purpose-driven life. And I can honestly say that over the last four years, as I have really, my, my purpose has evolved, it has given me this ability to be able to get up every morning and really like be excited about what I do. And so today that's what the discussion is about. Enjoy the show. Let's do this. Okay, here we are. Let me fix my mic. There's always something. Are we excited to be here? Yes. Real. Yes. 
Yes. This is another episode of Time Takes Time. One of my favorite episodes every month where I have the opportunity to speak with people who have long-term recovery and I consider long-term recovery, anything over 10 years, not really, but yes, it is. Uh, I like 15, but I'm going to take 10. Elise has drawn that sand in the line for me. So we're going <laughs> to take it from 10 years and over. Uh, I'm happy to be joined with three other friends today, and I'm going to let them go around and in- introduce themselves. Elise, you want to kick it off? I sure do. Uh, my name is Elise Bryson. Uh, I'm the founder of The Sober Curator, and I recently celebrated my sweet sober 16. Beautiful. All right, Chris. My name is Chris Marshall. I'm the owner and founder of Sands Bar, one of the first alcohol-free bars in the United States. And I've been sober for 15 years. I just celebrated 15 in February. Boom. That's a lot of time. Okay, Allie. Yeah, my name is Allie. I have been sober for 11 years, so maybe not quite long-term sobriety. And... No, you're over the line. You're okay. You're over I'm the over line. the adjusted mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. You made it. Awesome. I'm so glad that you guys are all here today. Uh, like I said, this is one of my favorite conversations that I have every month. And today, today's topic is about living on purpose. And we, it takes, I don't know, it took me quite a long time to find my purpose. But one of the questions that I always get is, uh, okay, I'm in recovery now. And if you're a 12 step person, it's like your purpose is just to help other alcoholics. How do you feel about that? This is a discussion. So you can just jump on in anybody. Boom. There it is. I'm going to say, I'm going to jump right in and say, yes. And like, I believe it's, it's my purpose is to help other alcoholics, but it, or people with alcohol substance or uh, alcohol use disorder. Sorry. I'm really trying to make that stick. Uh, but I also just want to be of service of anyone that I can be helpful to in any way. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be someone who, you know, drank too much like I did. So uh, I have found that as long as I'm being of service to anyone that gets pulled into my orbit that I can, and I'm able to, that if I do that, then it takes me out of self and I feel, I feel pretty good. Has it always been like that? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. No. Well, yes and no. I don't know. My parents, my parents are very service oriented. So my Mm -hmm. whole life, I grew up watching them being of service to other people. Um, and both my grandfathers were pastors. So, so yes, yes. But I was very selfish, very, very, very selfish for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wasn't cutting you off, Allie. Oh, no. I, just, I was just going to say, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that there's absolutely a unique um, perspective and you can be helpful to someone with substance use disorder in a really specific way when you are sober versus when you're not. Um, I've worked in substance use prevention and treatment and there's, you can always kind of, it's just a little bit different, right? When someone has that lived experience versus, you know, just the academic background in it. So I think that that is definitely part of my purpose, right. Is using my experience to benefit others. But I really liked what you said about being of service to anybody. It doesn't have to just be those that have a substance use issue. Um, I don't 
know very many people that don't have some kind of mental health issue at this point. So right? like right. we all need some service. We all went through the pandemic together. So we're all yeah. a little, you know. Yeah. It's 2022. No one's okay. <laughs> that should be a bumper sticker. I think. Chris, did you want to join? Yeah. Um, I, I suppose that, yeah, a lot of your, my experience early on was just living that credo that you, you must be of service to other people. And what I did for the first 10 years of my recovery journey was focus on being of service to other people. I literally got sober, went back to school, became a licensed counselor, did the whole, you know, um, licensed counselor thing for eight years. Like I did the, the first decade of my recovery journey was filled with service to other people and sponsoring and all the other good stuff. And around year nine or 10, it just, something happened. Like it became not enough. And I, what I realized is that I wasn't serving myself. Like the ways that I was serving other people were were similar to the ways that I used alcohol, which was to change the way I felt. Right. And uh, I feel I find now that like the the way that I serve others is a little bit different than the way I did in my first decade of recovery. Hmm. There is something about that. It changes. There's like an awakening, I think. Like I can do more. There's more for me. And And then there's a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think you learn too with time, right? That kind of idea of, I can't really give from an empty cup. I think that it can be a little bit misleading that like my purpose is to help others like service at whatever cost it can be very detrimental to us, which then in the long term is detrimental to my efforts to be of service because I'm not going to be able to be of service effectively if I'm not also taking care of myself. That is so, so, so true. And I wish I'm sure somebody told me about that when I was in early recovery and I just didn't hear it, but I had a, I had a similar experience around the five-year mark and around the 10-year mark. And now around the 16-year mark of like massive burnout, um, because, because I wasn't being of service to myself, um, and the empty cup analogy or the, the oxygen mask analogy from getting on a plane, like those are visuals that I have to think about all the time to remember, like, I'm not going to be able to be helpful to anyone if I'm not taking care of myself. Anyone else experienced that burnout? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's, when were you in burnout, Chris? Uh, I mean, it was year 10 on the nose, like on the nose. I hate to be so like, you know, stereotypical, but it was like at that 10 year mark, what I was doing just did not seem to be enough. And I felt like I was literally um, trying to, you know, fight back the tide with a spoon, you know, it's just like, there's no way I was ever going to like, feel like I was doing enough until I felt like I was enough. And so I had this whole, like, you know, this, this, and what I love about being sober is that I can still have these moments of like exhaustion and burnout and feeling like I just at the end of my rope and it doesn't have to mean I'm going to drink. It just means I'm really tired. Um, and so I had one of those moments and I had to leave my profession and start this new business that I'm doing. And I've been doing this for five years now. Like it just life changed for me because I was like, the way that I'm working is not serving me. 
burnout alley? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually just graduated. So, and I got my MSW. So I, part of that was like a practicum. So, you know, definitely being of service in a career capacity for the past couple of years during a pandemic, um, social work is not, um, super conducive to a virtual world. So those, I definitely experienced a lot of burnout in that way, but I think too, kind of, yeah, right around the 10 year mark, just in terms of, um, my own sobriety, learning that you can say no. Um, I got some messaging early on and I never, ever want to like say anything negative about whatever method anyone uses to get sober and 12 step programs. Very, very effective to me, but I did get that messaging early on kind of like, you don't say no to a request. Like you always say yes. Um, and yeah, kind of burning out in that capacity a little bit too, where there's that balance, right. Of yeah. Anything I put before my recovery, I stand to lose, but if my recovery is my only life and I'm saying no to other things and not, you know, kind of learning that balance in recovery, right. Of I I'm sober so that I can live a life. If that makes sense. It does. What did that look like for, for you personally, right? What did you have to say no to, to find that balance for yourself? Just kind of learning the limit of like, okay, so this is how many people I realistically can sponsor. And, you know, at a certain point, the number of meetings you're hitting each week is going to look a little bit different. And, um, not every day is going to be, you know, perfect. I'm doing all the things and that's okay. And it's, yeah, kind of just like, the idea of sort of life as an overall balance, instead of like the same amount of balance in each day, like some days are going to be a little work heavy and some days I'm going to have extra time for spiritual development. And some days are going to be about friends and, you know, and it just doesn't have to be the same measurement of balance in each day, but overall balance. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. Every day is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you, are you a therapist? Yeah. No, I'm not a therapist. So I got a, a macro social work degree. So it's more like policy program development. Do you love your work? Uh, I do. I am really burnt out. I definitely have kind of hit that, that mark of like, okay, time for a little bit of mm-hmm. self-care and getting back into like my own right sizeness, right? Because I can't fix the whole world and it can be really, really depressing and overwhelming, which is high risk for my sobriety because I start to feel like oh, it's just also broken and it's completely insurmountable and there's nothing I can do instead of that. Like, oh, here's what I can do in my world. So what does your self-care look like? Well, right now I'm unemployed. So I'm doing 90 and 90. So I'm going to meetings every day. I'm, I'm doing morning pages and 20 minutes of meditation. I'm doing inventories at night. I'm going on walks. Um, but it, it's a, you know, a unique time. Cause I just graduated. It doesn't look like that all the time, but right, right now I'm just kind of leaning into it pretty significantly, the whole self-care, but in general, I try to make sure, I mean, journaling is really, really important to me. And then, uh, just being outside at some point every day yeah. I'm from the Northwest. So I like to get outside. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what's your self-care routine regimen look like? Well, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I have my own <laughs> business. Uh, so I have to be my own boss, which is 
good and bad. It's like people's dreams, but it's, it can be tough. Um, cause as a boss, I'm not really good at like telling my employees what to do. So like me, um, I have to schedule time out to like do little or nothing. And it's not always like a set weekend. Like, like I, I travel for, for work. And so like, sometimes my weekend is like a Monday or like a Tuesday or it's half a day, right? Like, so half the rest, like the, for instance, today, this is the only thing that I'm doing because technically this is like my, my Sunday. So after this, I'm going for a walk with a friend. I'm going to go to the gym. Like I'm going to, you know, do all these other things that I want to do that are fun and creative and have nothing to do with work. Like, it's really important for me to make sure that I'm recharging my batteries. It just doesn't look like a weekend where I have, you know, couple days to do that. And I also just have to schedule block out time for myself and say like, no, like Ali said, like say no to things, which is really helpful. You know, I, I will jump in saying that I'm just coming back off of a low and I'm back on an upswing. And, um, thanks to Lane pointing a few things out to me. And, uh, but what, what is always amazing to me is that I don't have to stay in the lows as long as I used to. I, I, well, I can't, I like, I'm kind of a wimp now. Like, I don't know how we used to be able to suffer the way that we did. Cause I can just a little suffer now. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. Um, but, but when taking it back to the basics, whatever the basics look like for you, like they're tried and true and they work every single time. Um, and now that I've been two weeks back into taking things back to the basics, like, I just feel much more in alignment with everything. And so um, I don't know why I keep forgetting that, but I guess, I guess it's just part of the process. I have to be constantly reminded that I have access to tools that are very simple, maybe not easy always, but like they're right there if I want them. Yeah. It's hard to remember. I think that's our job is to remember. And this idea of getting back to basics, you know, doing this journaling, going outside, you know, these are like fundamental, right? Like it's so basic and we forget. And I want to find out how do you get into the flow of your purpose, right? So I know for me, like when I'm outside, I don't know what happens. Like it's magic for me. Like I, I, all of a sudden I can hear every single bird, right? I can hear a child three blocks away. Like it's, it's kind of, it's weird. Um, and then there's a surrender and I let go and I'm just at peace with everything. So I want to hear, how do you get into that state of flow that changes your essence, right? Because we're talking about, uh, living on purpose and getting in flow and, you know, not being stuck in this, like we've been really stuck for the last two years. So how are you doing that in your recovery today? The question was too big. (laughs) We're all like, uh, am I doing that? (laughs) I think I, I can go first. I mean, for me, it's definitely outside doing physical. I mean, I used to be a runner now I'm more of like a walker, but even just doing that kind of like the combination of being outside and moving 
it's like a little bilateral stimulation too, maybe, but, mm-hmm. um, I love that. And then also I feel very in flow when I just allow myself to have fun and just do like lighthearted fun things, like whether that's doing comedy or even just like playing board games or things where I can just be very just. Okay. Allie, wait right there. There it is. Comedy. Yeah. When you're, do you get up on stage? What, what, what kind of. Yeah. Stand up. Stand up. Okay. So do you get into that flow where you just like in the rhythm, do you have to like write out comedy or can you just like riff? Like what talk to us about that? I I definitely have written material for sets, but I, I mean, I always love to just, this is something I'll do a little bit of like, you know, whether it's prayer, meditation, I don't know, but kind of a just like attitude adjustment before I get on stage, right? Of like, am I going up there because I want people to laugh at me and think I'm funny and compliment me? Or am I going out there to like help people have a fun night out, which sounds, you know, small, but it makes a really big difference in my mind, right? When I'm like, okay, this to me, it's like, it can be in a way sort of an act of service, right? Of like, here's a thing that it's fun to go to a show and laugh. And then when that, when I'm thinking about this is just for fun and to like help lighten up, maybe people will leave in a better mood. I don't know. That's really different than that helps more in the flow. Right. So I always try to be super present so that I can do my material, but also I love to riff or like if something comes up or if there's someone in the audience, something comes up or if another comic says something that I can then relate on. It's just, yeah. That's probably my favorite way to be present, I guess. Yeah. 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 I can kind of, uh, build on that. Um, I, for my job, I literally go around the country doing these events where I host on alcoholic, you know, uh, beverages. I, you know, serve up great drinks. And part of that for me is before I get started on the event, um, even if it's like a wedding or whatever, like whatever I'm doing, serving drinks or here at my bar, even on a Friday night, it is getting centered and getting very clear on like what's in the way of me being completely present. And there's just a different way that I am. I, I'm able to have that kind of observing ego and can see myself in the moment and realize that like when I am um clear my pathway is clear and i'm able to really be present in the moment the service is better the experience is better my drinks are better like they just like, they just taste better um because i feel like i'm really dialed in and it's like any kind of it's a different way of being of service kind of ali's point like when you're there to add to the experience and not be the the one responsible for for making someone happy or making someone Uh, more sober or whatever it is you think you're going to achieve when you're not attached to the outcome flow happens and beautiful things happen. And that's, that's where I love to live is in that space where I'm not attached to the outcome. I'm part of someone's experience. Okay. I love that so much. That is exactly where I love to live. Like I I'm not directing. I'm just a part of right? It took me a long time to get there because I like to manage things. I'm a big manager. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Elise, can you relate to that? Relate to being a manager? Yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Relate to you being a manager? Yes, I can. (laughs) 
Uh, no, for me, I am not a stand-up comedian and I do not make drinks. I mean, I have a kitchen. It came with the place, but what I like, how I get into my flow is just creating and problem solving and whatever that looks like. So if it's just me by myself, I might be creating an art project or I might be writing or I might be designing. Um, if it's, if I'm, if I'm helping somebody else out with their project, I it's, it's being an active listening and for what they're saying and then helping be a mirror and shine back so they can get clear on their vision of where they're trying to take whatever the project is. Cause when I help other people shine, which again, goes back to being of service, but like, I feel so complete and in an alignment, what's been weird for me. And I'm sure you guys can relate is, um, so much of our lives turned online in the last two years. And, and, and for me, I became part of this huge sober community online that I had never paid any attention to pre pandemic, to be honest with you. Like I was very comfortable sharing my recovery in person to people, but keep putting it online was not it didn't even occur to me as something I was ever going to do. Uh, and then, and then I jumped all the way into the deep ends and like was living so much online that now that the world is opening back up, I'm trying to figure out the balance mm -hmm. of what my life needs to look like online and in person. And, and, it, you know, when you talk about getting outside, I definitely need to get outside, but it, I got outside a lot during the pandemic, walking my dogs. I have to get back outside around people. I have to get back out there and go to things, even though part of me is like, oh, but I want to really scale back. I don't want to go to as many things as I used to go to. I want to be choosier about those things, but there's, I've been deceiving myself that that's my reasoning when really I'm just still wanting to be in this isolation mode um, versus you getting think back out there. Do you think it's a form of self-care this like potentially, but, but like anything, I can take things to extremes, right? Like that's just in my, it's just in my DNA. Like if I like it, I like it too much. It doesn't need, if it's good, if it's good for me or bad for me, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. So it's, um, trying to find that balance, uh, I guess is been interesting and, um, and I just really have been struggling as of lately as where that balance is mm -hmm. with my recovery community in person versus online. Mm -hmm. It's such a fine line with isolation, right? Of the self-care versus not, mm -hmm. at least for me, it is. It's like, I definitely sometimes have to check in of like, okay, am I staying home for days on end because I'm tired and exhausted and this is really what I need? Or am I just avoiding life? Yeah, exactly. It's hard to avoiding. Yeah. yeah. I, and I like the way that Elise, when, she, when she was talking through that just now, you could hear that part of her time, right? The aged part of our recovery that is able to catch like our true intentions. And if we're really serious about what we're saying, or, or is there another motive there? Like it was so interesting to watch her talk through that because it's exactly, I think the benefit of time is that it gives you that ability to hear yourself and say, nah, Nope. I know, I know me and I know that it may sound like this could be a good thing, but I know myself and I know that, uh, too much of a good thing is still a, too much of a bad thing can be a problem for me. So I'm going to say that, you know, be honest with myself. I just think that that was a really cool thing to observe, like in the moment. Yeah. I, that's such good 
right there that you caught that and that we were all witness to that. And that is something that, and, and this is where time, like people look at people with time or an old timer, they look at me and they're like, Oh, Lane, my, 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 you don't know, but you don't know until you have the time to say, I get that because time takes time. It just takes time to understand what you just said, Chris, of being able to witness Elise go through her journey, but Elise recognizing what it was. And then Allie saying, am I staying home? Right? Like she had that same thought as well. Like, oh, am I avoiding people? Like, yeah, just takes Well, time. and that's the craziest thing about time is you can't cheat it. You can't buy no. it. You can't, you can't fast forward through it. Um, you only have it as it comes. Yeah. And, and every time I think I, I have things figured out, I realize I totally don't I like, I, I think I, I know less now than when I first got sober, I know less. <laughs> and I really I, do relate so much to, of like the tolerance getting lower, like this, yeah. it is wild. My pain tolerance now versus when I first got sober, really we get, I mean, it's a good thing. Right. But it's like my ability to withstand discomfort to, or like bad discomfort. You know what I mean? Of like, I used to be able to just like, this is fine. Instead of taking appropriate action to improve, um, or the ability to just lie to myself or like live in not my character defects or defenses or whatever. It's just, yeah, you get so uncomfortable so fast now. It's like, Oh, here I go again. Were you online before pandemic or just in person with your recovery? Like what Elise was just talking about. I was a hundred. I never did any online before the pandemic. Yeah. Chris. Didn't even know it was a thing. I, I, <laughs> I you know, and I mean, I consider myself like a, you know, pretty like sat and did, had no idea uh-huh. that uh-huh. that was even a thing that some people have never set foot in a, in a room ever. And they have yeah. like so much time, like, yeah, it was news to me. I know it's been a wild adventure watching this recovery, uh, blossom online and how everyone has decided to kind of share their recovery. And I think that is a great way to be of service. Uh, I think that it's a huge way to take the stigma away from alcoholism and alcohol use disorder of just like revealing here it is, you know, we are messy. So let's share the message. The message is hope we have recovery. We used to be, I was falling down drunk. I don't know about you guys, but I was driving drunk, right? I was throwing up. I was sleeping with people who I didn't know that like that so messy. And now being able to have the freedom to share that like in a new way is fantastic. And I wouldn't say that this is my purpose, right? Like I wouldn't say that that is my purpose. Um, My purpose is to of course, stand up and to be honest and to be vulnerable. But my purpose is not like leading everybody with this, with the sign saying, okay, all people, all alcoholics come this way. (laughs) That's not, that's not where I want to go. So when we talk about purpose, I want to get down to brass tacks with, as we evolve in recovery, we get closer to our identity what we're here to do. It's taken me 25 years to understand this. So where are you at with understanding your purpose? Too big? 
So I'll, I'll jump into that. Um, I've been working with, well, I've been working with a lot of different mentors and coaches and different aspects, but in one aspect, because I, I couldn't, and still haven't figured out like, what is the sober curator? Where is it going? Was just, just a hobby I did to fill my time in the pandemic. Um, I've been having someone help me get clear on my vision. And he pointed out, he's like, Elise, you can't get clarity on this project because you don't have clarity on yourself. And so he, we've been going through these exercises so I can figure out a vision statement for me, just like you would have a vision statement for your company um, or a mission statement for your company. And so, and once he put it in that kind of language as a business person, I was like, well, of course I should have that. Why don't I have that? So I've been working on different iterations of it. And, and then I set it to the side for a couple of weeks and I pull it back out. And I'm like, nope, this isn't it. And I tweak it a little bit. And then I set it to the side. And so it's gone through a couple layers of changes at this point, but it's, and I don't know if I'm at the official one yet, so I won't say what it is, but I'm much more in alignment with where it is now than where it was three months ago, because I've been intentional about it. I've been putting purpose into figuring this out because once I figure out that true statement, then everything I do just needs to align into that statement. And if it doesn't, then I have clarity that I don't need that in my life. So that was kind of a big aha for me in the last few months. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's a great idea. A personal mission, vision statement. I feel very, um, this is a consistent theme in my life right now, having just graduated and kind of like figuring out next steps and what do I want to do? And I feel like I have been doing a lot of that reflecting on oh my God, I forget what the exact question is, but like, what is my purpose? Like my true self, all of these things. Right. And there's so much, I mean, I think the pandemic too, for a lot of us, there's been a lot of reevaluating of turns out I'm not as extroverted as I thought I was. And like, maybe a little bit more organized than I thought I was. And just like certain things like that, but kind of, I think that's one of the gifts of recovery too. And the program and time is like shedding those layers and getting rid of like part of it is, you know, making those decisions and being intentional. Like, who do I want to be? Is this something I want to carry forward with me? Or is this a learned coping mechanism? Is this a, you know, characteristic that someone once told me I was. And so I've just believed it and said I was forever. Um, but then also kind of, um, that being revealed to you too, of certain things that you're like, wait, I don't know that this does matter to me. Maybe it did at one point, or maybe I just thought it was supposed to, but like getting, you know, kind of a, it's, it definitely feels like a privilege to get to explore that and be like, oh, I don't have to be stuck in my old ideas or my old identities or whatever those things are. So, yeah. And it's okay to go down the path and be like, oh, I'm going to like, I'm just giving this as an example of like, okay, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to write books. I'm going to do this because that's where I'm at right now right? Like I'm really uncovering and discovering this is my passion. And then six months later, it's like, who cares? I have nothing to say. Nothing matters. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. I think that there's like such a beautiful process of a recovery journey, but as humans, right? We, we evolve every year, every day, you know, new discoveries, but having a mindset or an open mind to discover is epic. Cause I think a lot of people just get stuck. You know, we were told like what you just said out, like, you know, we're, this is what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to create this, or I'm going to go work for this company and this is it. And we don't, we don't have to do that anymore. Like, and especially in recovery, we can just keep throwing stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Chris, how many things have you done? Oh, a million. And I'll keep doing a million more. <laughs> like that's, I'm just like, that's exactly what it is. Like I found that, um, the world I had created for myself in recovery was too small. Mm. Like what, what does that mean? Too small? Like the group of friends or no, just, just what was possible. Right. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. I kept thinking that I had to stay on like this planet of like recovery and like, Oh my gosh, like it has to fit like in this little like world of recovery and what everyone else was doing and what everyone else was telling me was safe to do. Yep. And that again, 10 year mark. And again, some cataclysmic things happened. My dad died. My uncle died a week later. I mean, some, some huge, huge things happened in my life to cause this like break in this understanding of what was possible. But I realized like, I am so concerned with keeping my world nice and neat and contained. There's a whole freaking solar system out there, man. Like get out there, like go explore. You have a whole universe to explore. And if it doesn't go, um, doesn't work out. Oh, well, there's another planet to explore. Like that's a whole Star Trek, you know, season right there. Like that's, that's the whole point of it. Like there's, there's, there's so much to do. So I believe that my mission in this world is to end loneliness. Mm. Like I was put on this planet to eradicate loneliness in our lifetime. That's it. How long have you known about this? Five years. Five years. Okay. You're on it. Yeah. So that has not changed. That, that is the, that is the solar system that I live in is like loneliness and like how to, that's, that's my, my origin story as like, you know, as a comic book character that I had one, that would be it. Like I had something happen to me that caused me to like care about loneliness um, because I felt like I was alone at that 10 year mark. Um, And so all of that informs like what I believe is possible within my solar system. And it's just like world building. And if things don't work out, I just go to another planet and start building that. But it doesn't, it's all under the idea of ending loneliness. I love it. Like that's, that's what, that's my mission. Chris, you're my people. You're just so my people. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you you had me at at the universe. I hope that doesn't sound really arrogant or like, but at the same time, like, I know it doesn't because I know, like, you understand that things happen for a reason. And I just don't have to doubt that anymore. I don't have to know exactly what the path is. I just have to keep walking on it. Mm -hmm. True that. Yeah. And I think too, just like with the idea of, you know, the mission or vision and, the concept of alignment, right. Too of like the longer you stay sober and do the work and the more you learn, the easier it is to determine or decipher like, Oh, this does feel in alignment or this doesn't, or, you know, like make those choices. So it's like, regardless of maybe this one for now, and then maybe this one later, but with the through line of ending loneliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. So if you're, if your purpose is to end loneliness, what does that look like in your daily life? So that looks like, first of all, me making sure I'm connected, Mm -hmm. making sure that I check in with uh, people who love me 
and making sure that I am taking care of my own um, needs as a person who was born lonely. Um, that's something that just, again, that's my, my, my character, the origin story is feeling lonely, perpetually lonely. And knowing that um, alcohol was the, the reason, the, the first time I ever felt connected was with alcohol. It helped me to feel like I belonged. And so when I got sober, I had a community. And now I realize that so much of what hurts people in and out of recovery is this feeling of loneliness. And so it is about being of service to people who are lonely. It's people who are just getting on this path and don't know where to turn to for a community and having a physical community like Sandsbar to belong to. It looks like, you know, being there for people who are still drinking and they need a way to connect and find other people. Like it's, it's my, my thing. Um, and, and I get really excited. I just, I noticed now I'm getting really excited about this. I'm just like, I'm trying to like not get excited because get excited. No, it's, it's, but it, you know, it's, um, it's cool. It's, it's cool yeah. to be fired up about your life and your, I am fired up about it. I'm yes. sorry. And I've been fired up for five years. Like, yes. And it's, so it supersedes like my, I was a licensed counselor. I let that my license from the state of Texas lapse yeah. so I can go pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. I, you know, started a business with $200 I've failed. I've succeeded. I've started online things. I've, you know, had some success. I've had some massive failures and all of it's been in the, the idea and service of ending loneliness. Yeah. Mm. That's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. I love it. I'm a big fan right here, right here. (laughs) Anything I can do to get that message out there. Like, yeah, we don't have to be alone. I think that's one of the coolest things about recovery. It's like you, you, we're never alone unless we put ourselves in that jail, you know, lock it up, lose the key, yeah. which yeah. I can still do. I can yeah. go there. Re- I can go there really easy. Yep. Uh, really easy. Often. <laughs> Frequently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the importance of like having others to check in with or having other people, a community, again, go, it just goes back to community, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's so important. Uh, we're getting up to the speed round. Dun, dun, dun. You ready for it? Oof. Unless anything, anybody else wants to share anything else about purpose and living on their purpose. The only thing I want to add is yeah, that add, I knew you were going to add. I know I, I just have up. something yep. is the thread of what's in all of this, of everything that we've, everyone has discussed today yep. is honesty, yes. right? That's the thread that, that keeps it all together because you don't have purpose. You don't have intention. You don't have vision. You don't have any of those things unless you have honesty, as you know, it in that moment, that doesn't mean that your truth can't change. Yeah. Right. But, but I know when I'm lying to myself. <laughs> like you I do? am very, yes, I do. I know it. It doesn't mean I, I sometimes don't do it anyway. Right. But I, I can, my insides, my belly, that inner thing knows when I'm not telling the truth. Do you know right away that you're lying? Usually. Really? Yeah. Mm. I know. Not always. Not always. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, nah, I don't know. It takes me a while sometimes. <laughs> I've told myself a long, like a lie for a long time and was like, wait a second, you are just, yeah, like I didn't even realize it. So, uh, 
Yeah. The self-deceit is, is, uh, it can go deep. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I'm not aware that I'm lying about, but <laughs> when I'm intentionally lying, I know exactly when I intentionally lie. <laughs> I love that too. Sometimes just like the self justification where like part of you is like, Hey, no. And then the other part's like, wait, but hear me out. Like I can yeah, make right. this, I can make this work for us. Yeah, and the other part's like, that's not but like, so well, I, I was talking to a friend last week who's 28 years sober. And he had, he told me that he had just recently lied to someone and it bothered him so much that he had to reach out to somebody else, get their phone number so he could call them and clear it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Like if you're still doing that at 28 years, like that gives me hope that it's okay that I'm still doing it at 16, that I'm still lying because I don't, I don't want to, it's just, sometimes it naturally, it just naturally just happens, comes out, (laughs) just happens. So anyway, that was what I just wanted to add the thread that I think is in there is, is a level of honesty. It is. It is being absolutely honest with yourself without the honesty, you can't get to your purpose. Right. Cause you're going to be listening to all the other stuff. Oh, there's this and there's that. And oh, right. Yeah. I think you're right. Dead on Elise. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Let's get into our fast fire round. You ready? That always feels like a game show portion to me. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be chronically overdressed or underdressed? Overdressed hundred percent. Overdressed. I live in Texas. It's hot, underdressed. Like underdressed. it's too hot for that. Sorry. Beautiful. Who would you like to have breakfast with? I don't know. Robert Downey Jr. Yes, go Robert. I would love to have breakfast with Iron Man. Are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah. If you're listening, call me. Harry Styles. Okay. There you go. See? Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be okay that we're having breakfast because her and I will both be overdressed. So it'll be fine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it'll be brunch. Brunch. Yeah. Now yeah. I regret saying underdressed because I, I want to have breakfast with Barack Obama. So um that yeah, that would be yeah, really bad that I'm underdressed meeting the president. Yeah. That would be so awesome. I bet he'd be okay with it. He, I think he'd be okay with it. Yeah, I think he'd be cool with it. Uh, how about, uh, are you going to go to an amusement park or to the beach? Oh, is there a reason we can't do both? I was going to say, is there a reason we can't do <laughs> you only have, it's either in the blue car or the red car. One's going, you can't go both. Mm, but am I taking my kids? <laughs> no, no, it's just you. Oh, just me. Just me. Okay. That completely changes the math on that. Okay. Okay. Um, which amusement park? Anyone you want. Okay. Wow. This is tough. Oh, beach. I'll beach. Okay. Beach. Elise. You know, I love an amusement park. You know, but I also love the water. Like I love the water so much. I'm so happy when I'm at the water. Is there an amusement park on the water? Is there, there's an amusement beachy park. Don't they have those beaches like water things at amusement parks? Yes. They do here in California. I'll probably go with beach. I love the beach. I do love the beach. It's okay, Allie. I'm going with roller coasters. Okay, good. Ah. Yes. Okay. Would you rather uh, read or watch Netflix before bed? Allie, go. Read. Chris? 
Watch Netflix. Elise. Netflix. Very good. Are you a Pepsi drinker or Coca-Cola? Chris. Coca-Cola. Elise. Yeah, I don't even know why this is a question. <laughs> I'm very confused. What's your answer? Coke. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm regular Coke, diet Pepsi. Oh. Regular Coke that's, is better than regular Pepsi, but diet Pepsi is better than diet Coke. That is... I would never true. think that. That, that is, is very interesting. That is very interesting. Thanks for playing. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having time in your recovery and sharing uh, this big idea around purpose and how to find it and definitely how to improve the quality of your life. I appreciate each and every single one of you. And if you're listening, please make sure to check out the show notes to find out where everyone is hanging out. Thanks everyone for being here. Bye. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode just as much as I did. And remember, if you want to get in on the masterclass and get your name down on the waitlist for the Nowit Academy, head on over to the website, thenowitacademy.com. And of course, for all sorts of other fun stuff, head on over to our main website, yoursobernowit.com. And don't be afraid to hit that big orange button and ask us a question. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic, you have an idea, you have a question, or even a secret or a lie you just want to get off your chest, remember your name will stay anonymous. Head on over to the website and we will see you on the next episode.